Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne. Hello and welcome to this. It's episode 20 of Thrive Deeper. It's your host, DJ Payne here. And thank you for tuning in to a very special episode today. Uh, This one, Matt and I go very deep into the second chapter of the first book of Timothy. Uh, Why are we going deep in this? Well, this is one of the most controversial, talked about, asked about chapter uh, in, in, in the modern era in, uh, in, in the New Testament. Why? Well, it's got a lot, of, a lot of stuff to do about gender. It's got a lot of stuff to do about women's and men's roles in the church and how does it apply to this. We have received a flood of questions, and so that is why we're releasing this special episode, bonus episode, as we get ourselves back into schedule. Now, uh, there's going to be a lot of questions coming out of this episode. I know that you'll have some. You might want to listen to this with a pen and a paper in hand so you can jot them down or maybe on your phone or something like that. Jot it in the notes. And you're going to want to contact us. I'm going to let you know how to do that at the end of this episode. So make sure you listen all the way through. And at the end of this episode, I'll be letting you know how to get in contact with us. All right. Now, prayerfully pray right now that you would be able to uh, listen and uh, go through and let God open your mind as we look into this second chapter of the first book of Timothy. Join us next as Matthew and I delve into that here on Thrive Deeper. Easter or something. So, oh, really? Yeah, it's a long, long break. Now, it, usually when there's a long break like that, means that there's another album coming. Uh, yeah, we'll 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 chop we'll chip away at. I was going to say <laughs> chop away at something, but chip away. <laughs> chop, uh, chop that tree down of a big album yeah, coming. Yeah. I'm very I'm very excited. I I think you guys are in a really interesting time to see what comes next with the with the you know new projects and new albums. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you say that like you have no idea what's coming down the pike. Yeah, there's a bit of stuff in the works. Um, yeah, for me, it's it's. Uh, the, the, I mean, I, I actually have to discipline my, myself to say, okay, I need to put aside time to do this because I've, you know, got stuff for teaching, uh, you know, my lecturing role, and then stuff for church. And it's just so easy for that to get crowded out. Yeah, and yeah. to me, not even touch an instrument. Yeah, you know, I wear, wear too many hats. I think. All right. Oh, is this is this part of the what we were talking about in the last episode of a dichotomy between the heart and the mind? You've <laughs> you've made dichotomies for yourself across the board. Maybe. All right. Let's now, move on. We're <laughs> we're looking at uh, the the book of First Timothy uh, in the New Testament here. And uh, last episode we covered the background of Timothy. We covered the background of of where this letter came from, and even a bit of an overview of the book as it, as a whole. But I think on this episode and. Uh, you know, I think we need to do a bit of a deep dive in some of the, you know, some of the issues, some of the red flags that people have been been raising mm. over this book, and there's so many different angles to talk about it. Yeah, but but let- namely the infamous, um, uh, the infamous uh, few verses on gender roles in Timothy, which uh, which people, which I would say are, you know, the most. Um, 
I easily could say the most controversial and I think misunderstood verses yeah. in, in the New Testament. Right, Some well, off, yeah. Well, it depends on your interpretation whether they're yeah, misunderstood. Yeah. All right, well, yeah, this yeah. is going to be fun. Okay, let's get into it. In chapter 2, um, and this is a theme throughout both letters of these particular women in the church. But, yeah. he, but there's also, he talks about old men and other teachers and everything yeah, like yeah. that. But there's this theme here with women, Paul talking about the women in the church. So it starts in, uh, in verse eight, where he says, therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing, because obviously there was a lot of anger and argument mm. over the teaching that was going in there. And now we get into it. I also want the women to dress modestly, with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or ex- expensive clothes, but with good deeds, appropriate for women who profess to worship God. And then he goes on in verse 11. A woman should learn in the quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first and then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. All right. Now... We should have said this beforehand. Trigger warning for all of our beloved feminist listeners right now. Mm. They're going to be, they're going to be, uh, very, very, what, what is yeah. going on? If you've never read this before and you're listening to this, all right, deep breaths. Yeah. It, it's obviously, uh, it, it's, it's very difficult actually to, to not read this through the lens of the abuse of this. And, and, uh, I've been struck by that as, as I have read this again. In, in our time and in our place, it's so politically incorrect. It says so many things that are politically incorrect. Now, I have this, I have this, um, uh, in a way, like, I, I, I get, I, I get what the reaction is to, and I, and I think, I think that's valid, but I, I, I feel, Sometimes that the whole obsession with political correctness yeah. means that we just don't even allow ourselves to um, uh, to take on board what is being said here. That uh, I, I feel we, we can almost be a, a slaves to p- political correctness, so we just shut down um, and, and don't think anything beyond what we think we're allowed to think. So, so I, I'd, I'd ask I'd ask us to just be a little open minded uh, with this. But I, I, I was also struck by how, because of associations, and and I and I believe that there there is a, an abuse here of um, uh, male roles. The whole idea of male roles uh, in in relationships and in communities has been so abused over the last two thousand years um, that it, it's almost. I wonder if it's ever going to be possible to really, you well, know, I'll, to, I'll... to see, to, to, to read this without that behind us. It's like to take, as an example, take an ordinary word that becomes a swear word. And I'm not going to give you an example, yeah. but where originally it could have been a perfectly legitimate word, but just becomes at some point, uh, becomes a, a swear word. And so you can't say that word without offending someone. And I feel like, I feel like this, these verses have become like a swear word mm. that 
as soon as we say them, it just has this impact, shock. Th- this, this shock element. And I mean, what, what, what we really need to do is get inside this, which we will in a moment. Okay. So l- but let there's me, that initial let me, shock. As, as we talk about the big culture picture here, Matt, because I think what, what you're talking about uh, largely is the culture that we live in right yeah. now and that we're speaking into. But, but uh, let me also say that I think the overwhelming majority of human beings alive right now would have no problem reading this culturally. I would say yeah. the overwhelming majority. Yeah. It, is, it is the smaller, the minority of Western culture around the world that, that has issues with these gender role models, whereas mm. most other cultures from other different countries, and dare I even say it, other religions that would be reading this would go, yeah, of, of yeah. course. Hello. And and one one of the reasons that that's possible is actually because of the affluence of our culture. Yes. Um, it's it's the unusual level of, yeah. of affluent affluence in our culture that um, puts but, us in a slightly different position. Doesn't but, necessitate the kind of uh, things that. Um, that would be needed in, in, in other cultures. Yeah. But also the time. I'm like, if we jumped into a time machine yeah. and went back 50 years, just 50 years, most people in a Western culture would read this and go, yeah, of course. Hello. Yeah. And so we're, we're, we're getting, I'm getting really yeah. pinpointy here and saying that for us right now, it can be, whoa, what is going on here? Yeah. But I think a lot of people would feel like, oh, this is just taking us back to, uh, to, uh, Patriarchal, yeah, but but what what but the the thoughts straight straight away go to the abuses of that, and this mm. is what I mean is that there there are these there are so many abuses of this that it's difficult for us to view this in a in a positive in a positive way. So so I think what we need to do is perhaps if we start broad, let let's let's okay. just start with a broad yeah. snapshot. Yeah. Of but, the biblical but, view of gender. But let me also just say, for the sake of argument, for for history's sake. The abuses were, were was the exception to the rule that these that this model through the last two thousand years of church history have been widely generally worked, and there hasn't been abuses in it. But but it has there has we you know as you're using the word abuse, which is a pretty heavy yeah, yeah, heavy yeah. word there, and so I could see the abuse of this type of gender role. Yeah, it has happened over the years. But I don't think it's the the I don't think that's the norm. Are we splitting um, hairs here, or what? Do yeah, you defi- possibly. Define uh, what you mean. I, I I think in some ways it has been the norm in that you know we're imperfect people and and just the way that it has been popularly perceived, uh, you know. So, so you know, for example, the, the even going back to the Victorian era, um, in, in which women are virtually seen as a Commodity is the possession of their husband for, for all intents and purposes. I mean, it's interesting because Victoria, we talk about the Victorian era and she was the queen. And yet, and, um, t- to me, this gets reflect. It's interesting in a lot of the fiction that comes out. I mean, I know fiction is fiction, mm-hmm. but, uh, a lot of the fiction, um, uh, that comes through, you know, classic, you know, George Eliot and Charles Dickens and Jane Austen and these classic, uh, writers, as well as um, French and Russian writers, and I've 
covered a fair bit of that, this material. And one of the interesting themes in all of this is the uh, is the sort of plight of women and the popular view of of womanhood and and the status of wives compared to husband. Yeah. And and in none of it do I see a reflection of the intent actually of what the Bible teaches uh, of gender. I, of gender, I, I okay. just see a I see a, a uh, what I've called a, really an abuse of that. Um, and not really what was intended, I think. Um, uh, so do you see that coming out of the church or do you see that something that's happening in culture and the church is, is well, over it here? Was like, a lot of, uh, like a lot of bad things in the last, you know, uh, if in a dominantly Christian culture you needed to justify something where well, you justified it by the Bible. Okay. Uh, and so there are plenty of bad behaviours and bad Things that have been justified with respect to the Bible, not because the Bible teaches it, but because people, um, you know, wanted to live that way, and so they've found the justification okay. that they wanted. All right, I'm, I'm gonna. We so, could, so um, we, we could travel yeah, down yeah. this pathway for a while, but let's. We, we, we're getting uh, again already. We're just getting stuck in the weeds. Let's yeah. get into it. Yeah. So, so I'm. I, I suppose my point is is that, um, is that these, these abuses have have you know called forth a. a, a a very valid reaction and um, and an emphasis on the equality of men and women and and I think that's a wonderful I think that's a wonderful thing. Um, the, the, my, my comment about political correctness is that it's just a feature of history that that when there's been an abuse and in fact the greater the abuse the more this is the case. There is inevitably a, a giant pendulum swing in which we throw out. Um, uh, we want to throw out some really dirty bathwater, and so we throw out throw it out vigorously along with the baby yeah. that we're meant to be preserving. Okay. To use that, I can agree with that. Lip. So, um, so I think the first thing uh, that that, w- that we need to, to say some general comments about the biblical view uh, of gender, in which we find in Genesis chapter one uh, this this picture that that unambiguously shows that male and female were created in the image of God and but were both given authority and dominion together. Um, so, so there's no sense of um, e- even the um, the bit about uh, the, the you know the, the rib of woman being created from the rib of Adam. That's in, in no way, and actually the word there isn't rib, it's side. side. It could well be that Adam falls into a deep sleep in terms of vision yeah. and and and. It's like the two halves of yes. the um, that is literally split down the middle. Yeah, uh, that that um, is being suggested, and I think that's a good possible interpretation of that. Anyway, but the point is is that the biblical view uh, is one of absolute uh, equality. I mean, it seems silly to even say that, but <clears throat> um, the, the the charges have been brought against the Bible to the contrary. So I need to underscore that. Yeah. Then you've got actually the case uh, in. Uh, in the, the New Testament, where <clears throat> where women are, are seen um, as every bit uh, are accorded countercultural status uh, of of equality in 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 the New Testament. Now, you just, let me just jump in here. You've skipped over like you know five six thousand <laughs> years yeah. of of human history there to jump into the New Testament. Can I just say that the Old Testament is full of women? Being on a on a on oh, a, yeah, yeah, a culturally right. 
amazing respected yeah. platform. Yeah, that's right. And there are so many women heroes in the Old Testament. Yeah, that's right. Again and again and again, we see where God's heart is when it comes to them. Yeah. There's no doubt that they they are yeah. they are held in. You know exactly as you say, they are held in um, this mm. position of you know the bearers of God's image and the deciders of of you know yeah. the, of God's promises in their own life. You know that's right, and and it's but it's when you get to the New Testament that this really yes. becomes really very clear. Mm. Um, you know, in the Gospels, we see Jesus' countercultural respect for women, uh, which which wasn't the case uh, really around him. I mean, Judaism. Should have preserved that idea that you're yes. talking about yes. that is evident in Genesis chapter one, but it really didn't. I mean, um, uh, they slipped away with everyone else in in their view of women. But Jesus is so countercultural in his respect for women, and then uh, in the epistles, you know, we're taught that, for example, that both husbands and wives belong to each other. Yes. Now, you know, because I mean, it's it's easy to miss how countercultural a lot of the teaching of Paul actually is in terms of. Um, in, in these respects, but the fact that he teaches husbands and wives, you belong to each other, not, and in other words, it's not just that the wife belongs to the husband. He's yeah. wanting to make a point here. Yeah. And in fact, he's saying to the husbands, uh, you have to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So yeah. in other words, um, uh, you need to give yourselves up for your wife, the, you know, the, one of the classic abuses, and I think this is one of the things that comes out in – you know, even a lot of the literature, even from the 19th century, is this idea that that you know that women are to completely give themselves up for, mm. for their husbands. Actually, it's that you know that Paul teaches the very opposite. Yeah. So, um, uh, and these teachings have no counterpart. The teachings of Paul, in terms of this idea that um, husbands and wives belong to each other, and that they owe equal fidelity. This is the other thing. They owe equal fidelity to each other. Mm, mm. Um, that No one else thought that in yeah. the ancient world, mm. either of those things. Mm. Um, so these teachings uh, have no counterpart uh, in, in, the ancient, in the ancient world. Now, <clears throat> recent um, history, historiography has confirmed the fact that um, Christian women enjoyed far greater equality uh, than their pagan counterparts. And I've cited this evidence before, but this comes from evidence in the Christian catacombs in which w- women are buried with with pretty much equal lengthy commemorations and inscriptions yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the burials. And I know that's a small thing, but it says uh, a lot. In other words, the lives of women were seen to be equally significant to men. Mm. And I know this is like a no-brainer to us, but at the time it was revolutionary yeah. in the Christian community. It was something clearly the Christian community was doing something different. Uh, to everyone else. Um, uh, one of the other interesting things in the early church, because of this idea that comes through Jesus and Paul, is that um, this respect for women, together with the Christian notion of the sanctity of life, uh, p- prevented female infanticide, which was absolutely rife mm. in, in the ancient world. Um, so, I mean, uh, girls were just not seen as valuable as boys yeah. in terms of birth. And that's not and that, let's be brutally honest, that is not an uncommon thought today yeah, that's right. right now. Yeah. It is something that the world is facing right now exactly yeah. the same type of thing. Yeah, in 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 the Roman Empire uh 
most girls were killed at birth. Yep. That's not an overstatement. Most b- girls uh, were killed at birth. And this meant a shortage of women in society. And I mean, so, so the, the early church was completely different to this. In fact, um, this has been cited as one of the reasons for the uh, incredible growth of the of Christianity as mm. opposed to paganism because they didn't kill because so many uh, uh, women were killed in, in paganism that weren't in the early church and again this is because of this uh, this high value um, you see this in positions in the church you know women uh, had positions of responsibility uh, in the church they um, they were uh, they were seated at the same table. Uh, they're recorded in the writings of Paul. He greets them all equally along with men. Mm. You don't get this when you read the letters of Cicero and Seneca and other, you know, uh, letters from this time. Um, you wouldn't even think that women even existed. And yet in the writings of Paul, um, uh, that they're recorded equal, equal honor. Mm. So mm. all of that, all of that to say that, um, the idea that the, um, that the New Testament has a lesser view of women in, in any respect is actually completely false. Yes. And that both the New Testament and the fruit of the New Testament in the early church bears out the fact that they actually took a completely different countercultural direction yeah. when it came uh, when it came to women. Now, society and human beings, our nature being what it is, drift back, drift backwards. And that actually is what happened. Uh, is that you know the, the church Drifted back through cultural pressure uh, into um, into a, a view of women. I think that was more uh, denigrating. Not everywhere, and I think you made the point for it. No, not yeah. not everywhere. Now, when um, you say the church, you're talking about the last two thousand years of history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So, so you know, Christ, you know, Christendom. Yeah, Christendom. Really. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so I think that's I think that's a gen and that's a fairly generally accepted fact. The idea yeah. that that the New Testament is in some ways advocates a lower view of women. It's actually generally, uh, I think, can be easily, easily refuted. Well, even even if we go back even into the, just the last couple of hundred years, a lot of uh, the pioneers of people who would be considered, you know, birthing out this idea of women's rights in, in the Western culture Dare we say it? A lot of them had a church background or a Christian background mm. that were coming at it scripturally and would quote scripture yeah. back to their male counterparts and saying, "Look, we are supposed to be the equal yeah. here." A lot of it came out. Now, obviously, as a student of history, we both know a lot of it came out of anti-church type of thinking yeah, as yeah. well for those feminists. But from that very first, you know, idea of women's rights, a lot of that yeah. came out of the church and Christian thinking as well. Yeah, that's right. So it's a fascinating study. It, it is. It is a fascinating study. Um, so w- when we get, and, and of course, one of the, where this is addressed in the New Testament, where there are passages like this one in 1 Timothy 2 that we're, I'm going to look at now, um, often the issue is, is that there is this newfound, uh, kind of freedom that, that women are, that women are enjoying in the Christian community. And, uh, it, it's almost to the point of, of overkill. And I think there is some sense of, Hey, um, we just need, we, we need to be a bit sensitive to our culture here as well. You know what I mean? Like, um, uh, but, but there's almost like a, a sense of overkill to that. And I'll, I'll explain that in okay. a moment. So coming to the, to the, to the text, I think it's first, 
Firstly, it's important to get a sense of the context. So basically the context for 1 Timothy um, is that false teachers of this Jewish Gnostic sort um, have infiltrated the church um, and they're teaching a kind of exclusivist faith, you know, of works and superior insight. Mm. Um, they've infiltrated the church mainly through – now, main, they've mainly infiltrated – the church through the wealthy women mm. in whom, whose homes the church met, who being generally uneducated have fallen prey to these ideas. So Paul's going to ask them to respect church roles and observe boundaries in their freedom. Um, so there's an issue of false teaching here. That's clearly, now we've recognized this in, in yes. Timothy, this is, yeah. a, this is the big issue. So I think it's important to read this section in Timothy against the background of that false teaching. Well, and, and can, can, again, to make it very clear, the the idea that the church is is facing false teaching is was is just as true now, yeah, as it was back yeah, then. Yeah, that's right. All right, this is a thing that is not going away any any time. We are at war with yeah. with a lot of different aspects in our culture, with a spiritual war, with a teaching yeah. war, and that that that's what the uh, you know that concept is constantly always there. So it's not when I when I'm yeah. saying that this is not a unique thing in in you know in this book of Timothy. Yeah, th- th- there are unique aspects of this sort of false teaching, that's it. and we'll, we'll we'll get to that in a moment. So Paul basically Paul wants the Ephesian church, as he says here, to pray for the salvation of all people, right? Because there's kind of this exclusivist. Um, you know, teaching of superior yeah. insight and, yes. and aesthetic lives, and no, no, that that really shut out people. And, and Paul's saying, I want you to pray for the salvation of all people. And you know, while they're praying, um, they, they have to do it in in the right disposition, not coloured by anger or disputing, but characterised by holiness. Um, and and he wants because there's a, it seems to have been a lot of disruption. Uh, he wants unity here, mm. actually, and so um, he, he doesn't want you know disruption even through improper dress and emphasis on externals, you know, um, and you know he, he alludes to that in this practice. In speaking um, about women and the disruption of the church, Paul adds that they're not to seek roles that would place them um, in positions of authority over men. Now, now mm. we're going, we, we'll, we'll get into this okay. uh, in a moment. Um, so, and then he then enlarges on the type of person who who types yeah. of people who he does cha- want in leadership. Yeah, yeah, and that's chapter three. Yeah, where that's he, chapter three. Yeah, where he says, okay. "Listen, if you if you desire leadership in a church, it's a good thing. Yeah. Don't don't you know? Because again, he's gonna he's gonna lay out some pretty heavy rules, and people will go, "Who wants to ever be be in leadership of a church?" And he says, "No, no, no. It's a noble thing, but here's all the qualifications for you. Yeah, and this yeah. is what you need. That's uh, right. But that's that comes as he said. That comes in chapter three. Yeah." Um, so verse 80 says, I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or quarreling. So he's saying, guys, stop arguing, especially while you're praying. Like they're, you know, it's hard to imagine this, but they're arguing even more. Even oh, I can you know. imagine. I've been in church congregations <laughs> where a prayer time has turned into a theological battle. You know, yeah, that's right. Dear God, I thank you that I'm not like Matthew Kirby and I hold those false teachings, you know. That that's are, right. Exactly. You don't, yeah. And then he says, likewise also that women should, this is from, I'm reading from the ESV, likewise yep. also that women should adorn themselves in respect apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and with gold or pearls or costly attire, but uh, with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. So it, I mean, it would appear here that the women are dressing immodestly to the point that's causing disruption. Okay. Yeah. And there's, uh, and there's, fair, there's fair two enough. levels of immodesty there. 
there's a modesty as far as uh you know a, a physical modesty yep. like when we hear of immodesty yep. we think of something wearing something alluring you know culturally inappropriate oh, yeah, yeah. but there's also a financial immodesty that Paul yeah. is addressing there yeah that's right saying you, you've got this gold dangling off you here women that's not yeah. what you need to be that's not attractive that's you know, right yeah so here is this this you know Christian community one of the things that's that one of the things that's no, was notable about the early Christian community was all the different classes of people sitting at the one communion table right yeah. <laughs> like poor rich different yeah. slave free everybody now you've got Women then parading their wealth. This is the problem. Yes. It's, as you say, it, it, I, and I think he is meaning all sorts of modesty, yes. but he actually, the one that he cites yeah. is modesty around wearing really expensive exactly. clothes. Yeah. Now, um, one scholar points out that clothing in the ancient world could cost as much as 7,000 denarii, which equaled more than 19 years wages. Wow. For an, for an average day worker. So this wow. is the kind of difference, actually, mm-hmm. the rich-poor difference in the ancient world. I mean, really rich, so yeah. that you could actually wear something that it would take someone that costs as much as 19 years' worth of wow. wages for and, a day worker. And that day worker sitting there. Yeah. And we think this is the bit that we, we don't sort of have in our heads in our culture. Other cultures still have this today, but that class system – is 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 pretty much gone for us as Australians, for for Americans as well. There's still a bit of a class system in the UK, but not to the level of degree that we're talking about yeah, what's happening in ancient Rome. That's right, not to this level. And he's saying, "Come on, don't flaunt this. We we we're trying. We're going for unity here, and this is causing disruption. Right? This is this competitiveness of, uh, and and showing off. And so this is the mod. This is the modesty that he's calling for." says here, um, uh, let a woman learn quietly. Now, this is the thing uh, that when we get to this, it's like, oh, great. Well, it's, how patronizing is that? You know, uh, well, I, I think actually this is where we uh, need to recognize that actually the, the opportunity for women to learn itself is countercultural um, in contrast to segments of Judaism that prohibited women from learning he's saying this yeah. uh, in fact um, there's yeah, one I, I quote for a classic quote from yeah. the Torah yeah. uh, that says uh, sorry not from the Torah mm. uh, a classic quote from a rabbinic writing mm. of that time mm. which says that better to burn the Torah than teach it to a woman for, at, at the time now so so he's actually oh, he, he's asserting the ability and value of, of women's education. So let them, like, uh, yeah. uh, let, let the women learn. And again, let, let's make it clear. Like in 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 the um, in the the religious Jewish life, and again, it, there were similar practices in a different way on a different, you know, the different end of the spectrum. In you know the the Roman and Greek mystery religions around there, how they held. You know, the gender views, but for the, for the Jew, it was, uh, you know, 
the men were allowed to go into a into a the worship area where the women weren't even allowed to yeah. be there for this type of teaching. Yeah. So there was definitely massive gaps in in and the church. This is where the like you say the yeah. church was so revolutionary. You're all at one table. We all want you to learn what we you know. You're all supposed to learn together. Yeah. But we have a particular issue right here for the, for, yeah. for this one. So, I mean, the, the background issue again. We need to remember that the false teaching has false teachers have uh, taken hold of these matriarchs in, in, in the church. Uh, they're taking advantage of the fact that there is this um, this newfound equality w- within the church, and, and women have these um, have these you know, significant positions uh, in the church, um, and uh, and so they're they're getting in through them and. And so they're kind of railroading things. They've yep. got these new views and, and they're pushing these views. And, and Paul is just saying, listen, put, put a lid on it. Like, mm-hmm. let, uh, be respectful of, uh, of the people that, that I've put in place in, in the church. Mm-hmm. So there's, so, you know, he's put elders in place to guard the teaching of the church and he wants them to be, uh, to be submissive to those, to those church leaders. Mm-hmm. So when he says, uh, let a woman learn quietly with all submissive submissiveness. He's not saying uh, it's not that all women should be sub- submissive to all men. I mean, that's that's foreign to, to Paul's teaching. Mm. Uh, it's more likely here that he means that they're to be submissive to a certain group of men. In this case, uh, to uh, the leadership of the overseers yes. in the church. It's like. Because this is the problem in the church. Mm. Remember, it's a very specific situation. They're ta- they're kind of taking over with this with this false teaching, and he's saying, "Listen, put a lid on it and and submit to the rightful uh, leaders uh, in the church." So that's uh, then he goes verse twelve. He says, "I do not permit a woman to teach." Let me just uh, talk about that uh, for a moment. Um, so there there are. Um, uh there are some contextual things going on here um clearly because in other circumstances in the early church we see women teaching mm. uh so there, and there women are, leaders that's right w- yeah so um so there are clearly some contextual uh things going on here uh namely this uh, issue of of false teachers mm. um so uh, you know, I think this is closely related to the subsequent discussion of overseers and, and, you know, Paul, cause he's already, he's talked about the important, he talks in this letter about the importance of overseers being able to teach. Mm. And, you know, they've been prepared for this. So he's, he's saying, let those who have been prepared, let them, uh, do, uh, do the teaching. Um, uh, so, uh, the, um, is he goes this, on to say, "Yeah, sorry, what were you?" Yeah, I was going to say, "I've heard that I've heard somebody teach uh, around around this verse that this issue of having um, teaching or assuming authority, yes, it is about the eldership, but also has it got something to do with the husband and wife relationship? Is the is the man that they're yeah. talking about in here the husband of their, you know, or is it is he is he getting into talking about actual husband and wives as well? Yeah, so." At this point, I feel uh, I feel like uh, I want to prevent actually against explaining this away, and by that I mean there is something that Paul's looking to preserve here, something uh, that is a biblical principle. 
here, that he, he wants to um, preserve the structure of the family, that the, uh, what what he sees as the appropriate structure of the family. It's got nothing to do with equality, but the, the idea that there is this primary responsibility. Now, we'll, we'll get to this uh, in a moment, but that where there is this primary responsibility or role that guys have um, as, as leaders. Hmm. And I think he wants to preserve that. Now, I know there's a lot of reaction to that. I'm just saying that comes through fairly clearly throughout the New Testament, that there is this expectation uh, that guys take responsibility, uh, a a leadership responsibility. Um, So he says um, here, uh, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man, rather she is to remain quiet. Now, the term for authority here is probably pejorative. In in other words, it's probably... um, like more like domineer or usurp. It, it has that. Uh, I don't, you, you know, he's saying, I, I don't want you women to usurp the authority of appointed men who are leading this church. Mm-hmm. Um, so the word rendered to have authority, uh, authenteo, uh, means to have mastery of, or more colloqu- colloquially, as it's used elsewhere, to lord it over. Yeah. You know, so in public meetings, he's saying that the Christian women should refrain from laying down the law. Uh, and, and from lording it over the guys in this situation. Yeah. Um, because again, he's speaking in, at least in this case, he's speaking to a particular situation where, um, where this false teaching has come through, uh, in this way. Then he says, again, you know, I mean, some people want to say, well, this is, this just, this is all just cultural. And yes, it is. There is some cultural elements going on here. But he does give theological, biblical reasons for that, and he goes back to Genesis. And this, this doesn't, for us, in our time, this doesn't make things better. And for a lot of people, I think this makes it worse because <laughs> verse 13, he says, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. You think, oh, great. So, he's think, so, so great. He's saying that guys are better than, you know. No, not no. at all. Actually, um, the, uh, th- this actually, uh, what he's pointing to here is actually the Jewish practice of um, uh, primogeniture, which is basically this idea of the firstborn male having this leadership responsibility. Okay, it's the the, the right of the firstborn. Yeah, uh, which which actually uh, was a feature very much in Jewish culture, but it was also a feature of. Uh, so it's like he's he's pointing. He's saying that the, the situation with, with males and females is very much like the situation among brothers and sisters yeah. who are all equal, but, but the firstborn has this, has this special, yeah. they're not any better. Yeah. In fact, in a lot of cases, they were, they were, you know, <laughs> they were, they were yeah, the worst. worst. And, and also, but, but there, there's this leadership, there's this kind of responsibility that's given to the firstborn. There's a role they've been born into and yeah. they didn't, nothing that they generated themselves. No. Like Adam didn't choose to be born to be made first. The firstborn isn't chosen yeah. to be born first. It's just the way that it is. Yeah. So he's pointing to that uh, as as a and for, you know as a Jewish person, it's he's he's illustrating this by pointing to this idea of pre, um, primogeniture. I think where he is saying, and I think it's a really good. Um, I, I think it's a, a good reference here because it underscores the fact that just like among brothers uh brothers and sisters the firstborn is not um any better or it's not about inequality it's just yeah. about that happens someone has to have this role yeah. and and this is the role and so he he wants to say well 
there is a role of spiritual responsibility. And this is not, it's not like, that really is what it is. It's a role of spiritual responsibility. It's like spiritual headship. It's not that the guy makes all the decisions and lays down the law and, and no, no, that, that is all done together. This is about a sense of like a spiritual gatekeeper. Yeah. You know, it doesn't apply to, you know, every, that the somehow that the guys have, because in the same way, uh, he, we should recognize that leadership defined in the spiritual leadership, mm. in fact, any sort of leadership in the New Testament is explicitly uh, defined against the idea that it's some kind of lording it over. It's all yeah. in terms of service. Yeah, and sacrifice. Yeah, he, he who wants to be the greatest among you must become the least, must become like a slave. Yeah. You know, and, and Jesus says that in terms of, you know, who's going to be the greatest. Yeah. Uh, so, so this is, this is the idea of spiritual leadership here. And this is where the distortion of, of cultural distortion comes in in our minds because we think, oh, so the guy gets to be the leader and like, so he, he must be better and he gets to make all the decisions. No, 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 that's not what leadership means yeah. actually. And it's especially in terms of this role of spiritual gatekeeper, it's a real servant role here, mm-hmm. uh, one of self-sacrifice and, um, uh, and so this is what Paul is operating with. And it's here. almost like we give into, and he's going to kind of go into it here. We give into that very first lie again, mm. which is all about power. You know, the lie of the serpent yeah. in in the yeah. garden is about power. Yeah. And we give into that again. Exactly. And we go, we want this power. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is just the yeah. way that it is. It's not about power. Again, yeah. So we, 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 we can easily read through this. So Adam was formed first, then Eve. So the idea here is, is leadership, just like in, yeah. in, in families with the firstborn. Mm. That's the point here. But then again, we, we think, oh, leadership, that, that, that means that all the power goes to the guy. No, 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 it's not. <laughs> because uh, the authority, clearly from Genesis, Genesis 1, the authority to rule over the earth was given to, to male and female. And he, and he reiterates that here. The yeah. fact that we are all sinners, you know, came from the choice of the yeah. woman. Yeah. She had just as much choice yeah. as, as yeah, the man. Right. You know, so he makes that clear, I think. So, um, and then verse 14, he says, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived. So now what, basically what he, he is saying here is that he's pointing to the situation, I think, that, that is happening there. And he's saying, what's happening here is just very similar to what was, what happened, yeah. uh, in, in Genesis, that, um, that there, there was a, a reversal of these roles. Mm. And, uh, it's like the, you know, the, 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 you know, Adam was prepared and, and equipped to, um, to be, to perform this role of spiritual gatekeeper. So, so the serpent comes through, uh, comes through the woman. Yes. It's not that, you know, she, she is any less able or, you know, because the man falls victim straight away. Yeah. In fact, interestingly, in the other letters of Paul, he puts all of the responsibility on, on guys. Because yeah, yeah. it sounds because he says, Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Oh, great. Does that mean that <laughs> it's all this, her fault? Yeah, this all thing of Adam's, sin and death is because of Eve. Yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Actually, Paul does the very opposite yeah. in his other writings. And, and he that, points to guys and says, it's it's yeah. all your responsibility. And, and, and that sort of, if you bring both of the teachings together, you go, Okay, this, the, you know, this idea of a couple working together as, you know, like that, the, yeah. the choice together that God sort of sees us as. Yeah. You sort of get that picture from me bringing the both teachings yeah. together. It wasn't just Adam. It wasn't just Eve. 
They actually did it together, yeah. gang. And 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 this is where the the way that this what he's doing here is saying that there was a there was a created order mm. that includes that togetherness mm. um, that that uh, that the serpent or Satan in the beginning disrupted that natural order yeah. and turned turned everything on its head and uh, and and it's as a result of that and when you read Genesis three it's as a result of that in fact um, that. Uh, uh, God says to Eve, as a result of this, you've really mucked the natural order up. And as a result of this, um, you know, uh, men are going to lord it over women. It's, yep. You know, that, that's, that actually is stated not as a good thing, no. but as, as a bad thing that's going to mm. ens- ensue mm. because of the, the corruption of human nature. And, and then on the, on the flip side of the coin, and women are going to desire, yeah. you know, what the men yeah. have over yeah. here, you know, type of thing. That's one of the curses. So, so this, yeah, the, like all of that. Uh, again, and that's the lens through. Often we we read this and think that this is actually affirming that. No, actually, hmm. it, it's the very opposite. Uh, All right. Now, this last verse here in chapter two, verse yeah. verse fifteen about yeah. childbearing. Oh boy, yeah. this 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 to me is is probably the heaviest of them okay, all. Okay, so it says, "Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness, and self control." Now, um, uh, remember, if we go back to the false teachings, yeah. Uh, remember one of the key features of the false teachings was, was this ascetic teaching where they were saying yep. that marriage and sex and all of that is abstain, is, abstain from yep. that. Yep. That you'll be lost if you if you do that. He's saying yeah. no, 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 you won't be. Uh, you can embrace you, you can embrace uh, uh, sexuality and child, but your femininity and childbearing, yes. and you will be saved through it. It's not like you don't have to. Because remember. It, the, so much of the letter has been trying to prevent against this idea that you've got to deny all of these natural things yeah. in order to be saved. He's so, saying, no, you don't. You, you will be saved through childbearing. So with, so what he's not saying, tell me if I've got this right or, or have I yeah. got it right. Is there a mystery in here where he's saying, because it, again, it's going right back to those, to those, uh, he's echoing yeah. what is happening in Genesis, mm. very much so. So when he says women, women as in, the womankind yep. will be saved through childbearing. Is he talking about literally bearing the child or is he talking about women taking their place as that role in, in society? What, what, where, where is he at here? Or is it both things? Mm. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think, I think firstly the specific of, of letting them, uh, you know, he's saying you don't need to do all of these complicated things and deny who you are. Um, you, you can get married, have children, uh, and, and you'll be safe. It's like just focus on the things that God is calling you to do and you will be saved through that, you know. And it's not that he's, he's not certainly not saying that, you know, we're, we're saved by doing certain things. He's, and he's certainly not saying that uh, there's something inherently salvific about Childbirth, you know, and mm-hmm. by that I mean that there's, you know, that the childbirth somehow is some kind of punishment that saves uh, women from, because that, you know, that, again, that's sometimes misunderstood like that, that, yeah. you know, that through all of that, they all will be. Yeah, some sort of penance yeah, or some something. Kind of penance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly not saying that. I can know. Um, he, uh, yeah, it, it, I think he's got something very specific uh, in mind here, and he's saying that through that travail and uh, th- through them taking up their role, along with um, 
or the other um, virtues that he mentions that just, you know, be who God has called you to be. Yes. And through that, you will be saved. That's yeah. really what uh, what he's saying yeah. there. And he's not saying that every that all that you have to, you know, that yeah. this is the role and that that's that's your job. And yeah. uh, he's certainly not saying that. And, if, and and for women out there who cannot bear a child, yeah. or you know, who who have chosen or been given the gift of singleness, you know, you are somehow missing yeah, out. Exactly. Like, yeah. Said clearly in the context of the fact that there were false teachers that tell, were, were telling them, yeah. no, you've got to deny all of that now. Exactly. And and it was a feature of this. Certainly, of later Gnosticism, probably has has its roots here. That there is no, you know, that that gender is, you know, you've all, it's like this. Um, uh, we've got to deny gender and sexuality yes. and all yeah. of that. You know, yeah. it was part of this uh, sort of Gnosticism that's emerging here. And Paul's saying, no, no, we don't deny gender and sexuality and childbirth. And, you know, the natural all, order of all, all of created this stuff things. in life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you don't need to deny all of that to be saved. Mm. So. You know, um, just I think to finish here, the message version uh, is an interesting uh, paraphrase of this. Um, And I think I acknowledge it's a really tricky section uh, of Scripture. It's very tricky because it's very countercultural. It's very difficult not to read this through the lens of, uh, of all of the abuses and the, you know, more than just about any other Scripture. So... And and I also and there are also inherent difficulties actually in interpreting this passage anyway. So, but I think uh, I think Eugene Peterson does a does a good job in, do, in the message here of paraphrasing this. Do you want me to read out the message part of it? Sure. So starting in uh, verse verse eight again, uh, when he talks about prayer, Eugene. Uh, and again, just shout out to Eugene Peterson at the moment. News came out this week that he's on his deathbed. And uh, as as someone who's been an amazing writer, an amazing pastor, and a teacher of teachers yeah. in our generation, yeah. uh, you know he's had, uh, he, you know, I think he's sitting around about eighty five, eighty six years old, mm. uh, years of age. Uh, you know, God bless you, Eugene. We thank you so much for yeah. uh, you know everything you've done. Yeah. Uh, he says, since prayer is at the bottom of this, I, what I want mostly is for men to pray, not shaking angry fists at enemies, but raising holy hands to God. And I want women to get in there with the men in humility before God, not primping before a mirror or chasing the latest fashions, but doing something beautiful for God and become beautiful by doing it. I don't let women take over and tell men what to do. They should study, they should study to be quiet and obedient along with everybody else. Adam was made first and then Eve. Women was the sea first, our pioneer in sin with Adam right on her heels. On the other hand, her childbearing brought about salvation, reversing Eve. But this salvation only comes to those who continue in faith and love and holiness, gathering into it all into maturity. You can depend on this. I think he picks up the spirit of, <laughs> yeah, the, that's great. Uh, of the text. And I think, I think that's a really important uh, thing when, when, reading, when reading the scripture is, is getting the the, the the big picture and the spirit of the, what the text is trying to say. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. All right, well, if you've got questions about yeah. any of that, do we want to hear questions about this, Matt? Am I putting you on the spot? <laughs> well, look, I, I'm not sure if there's that much more. Uh, no, I, can say. I think... Uh, whole, whole books have been written about yeah. this and, um, uh, you know, the, it, it has sparked a lot of discussion and um, well, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end end with this, okay? I'm going to speak to the person now especially the young lady who's hearing us talk. 
and still feels that uh, inside. Yeah. Speak to her right now, and and she's going. But Matt, you know, <laughs> you know, how do you? Where, what what advice do you give? Um, I have to think about that. I, you know, uh, I, I I get that it's it's a difficult passage to read in our day and age, but the spirit of the New Testament is one in which we. Uh, we get to be who God has made us to be. We're not made to be all the same. Uh, the New Testament is just filled with exhortations. Don't look at the, you know, different, it's d- different people are created in different ways and in different shapes and forms. And we can validate those, those differences. And, you know, there, there are different roles and, um, and, and I think, uh, we're, it is a facet of human nature that we're constantly reaching out of what we are when um uh, and 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 I think this is where there's there are so many abuses of these very very principles so uh, I think the spirit of Paul here is something that is liberating it's not meant to be restrictive in any sense um it's meant to uh, it's designed to bring about order in a Christian community, mutual respect, uh, respect for uh, authorities, um, servant leadership, all of the virtues of respect and love and and humility, uh, mutual submission. These aren't things that are just for one gen. They're, they're for us all. They're mm. all principles that that we all need to exercise. And so I think focus on those on those big. Ideas and don't get too perturbed uh, by uh, by something that is, you know, written to a particular situation is very compli- complex. Try and grab the big idea of this, and the big idea is that um, we are we are called to live a life of submission to Christ, submission to one another, mutual respect for each other, and overall as a community to live in unity with one another. Did you make it all the way through? How many times did you have to stop and write something down or <laughs> stop and, uh, and pray uh, for some understanding there? I'm sure you have many questions and comments about this. Well, we would love to hear all of them. Please head over to thrivetoday.net.au. That's our home on the web, thrivetoday.net.au. You'll see up the top right-hand corner, it'll say contact. And you'll see two contact forms. Whether you're on a uh, you know a desktop browser or you're on your phone, you might have to scroll down, or you might have to look on the right hand side, and it'll say submit a question for the podcast. Thrive deeper. Uh, that's the form that you're looking for. If you fill that in and send that to us, we will get that directly, and we will answer your questions on an upcoming episode. All right. Until next week, this has been DJ Payne thanking you for listening to Thrive Deeper. Thank you so much for listening to Thrive Deeper. We value all our listening community. If you are on Facebook, search and like Thrive Today page to get all of our latest updates. Our home on the internet is at thrivetoday.net.au. There you can subscribe to the Thrive Daily Reading Guide and contact us directly. That's at thrivetoday.net.au.
Until next time, thrive. thrive.